part two of our discussion of the historical Jesus and the historical Joseph Smith with our guest Tom Hobson next on Polygamy. What love is this? This is the second part of our interview with Tom Hobson, who has written a very good and thoughtful book, Getting to the Accurate and Historical Person of Jesus and Joseph Smith. He's a retired pastor and professor of biblical studies from Bellevue, Illinois. I would like to introduce and welcome back Tom Hobson. Thanks for doing part two here as we go through the rest of your book. It has 14 chapters and and we did the first seven and now we're going to do the final seven. But first of all, for maybe for someone who didn't watch the first part, where can tell us about when your book's coming and and where they can get information about it. You can find out a whole lot of what you want to know about the book, including a summary of the the chapters uh, in at uh, the book's website, historicaljoseph.org, including it will tell you uh, about when and where to get the book. Right now, I just learned today that the, uh, the official release date for pre-publication orders is November 27th, and then the, uh, the official on-sale date is December 24th. Okay, great. So this will be interesting. I think our viewers will find this extremely interesting to do just um, a neutral position, a comparison of the history, the historical people that we're talking about. Now, I would like our viewers to please keep in mind that we do this so that the LDS and the polygamous viewers will be willing to investigate what they believe and why they believe it, because our eternity depends on what we do with Jesus, not what we do with Joseph. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about chapters 8 through 14 of your book. Chapter 8 mm -hmm. is Joseph's views on race. Mm -hmm. Now you quote 2 Nephi 26.33, and in that verse it, it invites all to come to God, mm -hmm. whether they're uh, male or female or black mm -hmm. or white, God does not deny anyone, yet the Book of Mormon has many racist passages that dark skin is a sign of God's curse. The pull of great price also denigrates the blacks as mm -hmm. being the seed of Cain and under God's purse mm -hmm. or curse. So the bottom line, what were Joseph's views on race and compare what was Jesus's views on race? Yeah. Well, I would admit it's tough to reconcile the line all are alike to God uh, with the idea that dark skin is a curse. So you kind of wonder, well, right. well what, uh, what was Joseph's bottom line? We know that during in the 1830s, he was defending slaveholders. Of course, he was trying to build Zion in Missouri at that time. But then uh, when he ran for president in the last year of his life, uh, he was backing abolition. And you kind of wonder, is, is, is this how he was reading the polls? Was he doing this political strategy? Was he doing it out of conviction or what? Um, he, uh, he might be, Joseph might have been telling us what he really thinks in his diary accounts of two private conversations he had with Apostle Orson, Pratt, uh, Orson Hyde, excuse me, where his, his beliefs in those conversations came out very much like Lincoln's. I mean, he doesn't address the, the issue of, of priesthood, but he does uh, 
address the idea that uh, that they are equal in every other way um, to uh, any other race. So, um, as for Jesus, though, um, the Jesus, uh, I talk about how Jesus knows uh, that if he doesn't put the Jews first in his outreach, you know, which he seems to be uh, Judeo-centric, mm -hmm. but that, uh, that's an illusion. Um, he's, if he doesn't put Jesus first in his outreach, people are going to think that Jesus is just for Gentiles. And unfortunately, we still have that problem. People uh, <laughs> think Jesus is just for Gentiles. It would have been worse if Jesus hadn't uh, emphasized uh, for the Jew first. Mm -hmm. But when you come to the Great Commission, where did followers of Jesus get this idea to go to all nations, yeah. if not from him? Exactly. Mm -hmm. All nations. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter the color of their skin. There's not, mm -hmm. not even part of it. Right. Not even part of it at all. Mm -hmm. So their views don't quite... The historical Joseph's views don't match. I wouldn't want to be defending uh, the, the dark skin or all the things that he said in defense of the slaveholders. I would not, but I'm not sure whether that was just for political consumption or what. But the Pearl of yeah. Great Price is pretty yeah. scripture yeah. Well, <laughs> for um, them. Yeah, and, and what to do with that? Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to defend that. Okay, Joseph's evolving views on God. Mm. <laughs> His viewpoint of God are changing from the Book of Mormon and then the sermons and writer, later writings. Explain that. Well, in 15 years, he went, uh, boy, he went, as I describe it at the beginning, when he, uh, when he pens the Book of Mormon, his views are, I would say, hyper-Trinitarian. It's more Trinitarian than the, than the, than the Bible itself. <laughs> Some of those descriptions of the Trinity in the Book of Mormon I kind of like. Um, but, uh, some of them are a little clumsy or the like, but very, very Trinitarian. But by 1838, he has gone to this um, uh, two gods of flesh and bone, uh, and the Trinity is out the window by that point. Mm -hmm. And then you finally, uh, by 1844, he's gone to what I call God's Unlimited, um, eternal progression. Your, your um, uh, audience is probably very familiar mm -hmm. with, with that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but in 15 years, he's gone so far. Um, I, uh, the way I see it, uh, uh, LDS are forced to make it, you know, which God is it? Uh, which of these three models is it? Um, they had they uh, they can't all be true. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, if 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 the LDS would believe what the Book of Mormon teaches about God, you know, Joseph back in the beginning, they would be far closer to the truth than Joseph was when uh, when he died. Well, and you've got to learn how to be God yourselves, I right. think was in that last sermon as yeah. well. And so he's really, uh, yeah, the, uh, he's, uh, and, and even getting the correct doctrine of God is not going to save you, but he would have been closer to the truth. Anyone who believes the Book of Mormon's God without what Joseph did with it in the, uh, in the next 15 years would be closer to the truth than uh, the LDS doctrine today. Today, exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yes, very good. Uh, chapter 10, 
Mm -hmm. Joseph's far-reaching claims, and then you mention you mm -hmm. got a list of some of his far-reaching yeah. ideas. Pre-existence, Adam in Missouri, the great apostasy, yeah. uh, plain and precious things mm -hmm. removed from the Bible. Trans is it translated correctly? And of course, the Melchizedek priesthood, mm -hmm. um, Mormon style. And these are profoundly far-reaching. Mm -hmm. I like that phrase. In your op opinion, what is the most important claim on this list? Well, I... I'm for me, it's, uh, it's the supposed great apostasy. And that underneath the great apostasy, I include inside that all these claims that the Bible wasn't translated correctly or that plain and precious teachings were left out or that, they, or that uh, the Bible teaches a church like today's um, LDS church. All those go in under the great apostasy, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and it's probably the longest chapter in the book because I try to bring everything I can to bear on the uh, um, the the LDS Church does not have the facts on its side. And and so what what we need to do is look again, like you mentioned at the beginning, the credibility mm -hmm. of Jesus's claims mm -hmm. and of Joseph's claims, mm -hmm. the integrity of the man behind the claims and the claims themselves. Well, yeah, he claims that. Uh, uh, if there was no great apostasy, there was no need to found another church. Um, so really, it all goes back to that claim, and the claim, and the question is, can we trust this man who right. tells us right. that uh, that the true church was extinguished and had to be reestablished by him? But exactly, and and another one I want to maybe briefly talk about is the preexistence. Mm -hmm. As as I worked through some of these things mm -hmm. and my own experience, having mm -hmm. been born and raised in a polygamy group, we were taught mm -hmm. Mormon doctrine. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I became a Christian and realized that preexistence didn't exist, I shared this with you no. earlier. Mm -hmm. It it to totally threw me for a loop, you know, mm -hmm. because my identity I didn't know it, but it was tied up in the fact that I preexisted, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I had to change that. But when you look at almost all of Mormon doctrine, mm -hmm. it's all, if, if the pre-existence mm -hmm. falls, everything else falls. Hmm. I never looked at it that way. Um, because really, uh, it really didn't get developed greatly until after Joseph died. I mean, I've relied on Orson Pratt to defend the doctrine. You, you find it in a few little bits uh, from like, the Pearl of it's Great Price. It's big today, though. Oh, right, it's right. big today. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily stands, uh, yeah, to... Uh, today's uh, Mormon doctrine, yeah, it, it, it would uh, throw a huge wrench in it. Well, it's not in the Book of Mormon. Preexistence is not in the Book of Mormon. So right, the Book right, of Mormon right. wouldn't fall because of that. Right. But today's right. out living out, right. just like with the polygamy, mm -hmm. we were chosen to marry mm -hmm. certain people in the preexistence. Mm -hmm. And and so we come here now and live that out. Mm -hmm. So And everything else falls with it. Being mm -hmm. a child of God, being the war in heaven, be, everything that that falls uh, in case and and basically the LDS church as well. So the non-LDS, uh, it really resembles uh, reincarnation. It does. And it actually, it, it is a abbreviated reincarnation in a way, uh, only two, two generations here. But, mm -hmm. uh, but that's why most people who are not LDS kind of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, all the problems that, that they find with Reincarnation can also be applied That's to. That's true, and uh, and and it even goes after we die here yeah. because we still mm -hmm. continue to mm -hmm. progress after we die, mm -hmm. according to the 
pre-existence mm. and the post-existence in the Mormon doctrine. <sighs> mm. So it is reincarnation mm. in a sense. And of course, reincarnation is salvation by works. And so is, mm -hmm. uh, so is the LDS mm -hmm. system. Mm. Yeah. All right, number 11, the 11th chapter. You entitled Joseph as a translator of scripture. Mm. Your first subheading is the Book of Mormon, no original to cross-check. Mm. Why is that so important, mm. to have an original to check it out? Well, otherwise, it's simply his, uh, his word, um, true or false, um, nothing to go on. Why should we believe him? Why should we not believe him? Well, when it comes to why should we not believe him, you know, we, ha we, we can't test the Book of Mor Mormon claim. Um, again, we don't have evidence there. With the Bible, we have his claims that the Bible was mistranslated. He offers us no evidence, whereas we have evidence. Right, here's the, right. Here are the manuscripts. Here's, uh, here's what they say. Um, uh, uh, he, he's kind of got his back up uh, against the wall there. But the real, um, uh, the book where we can test his claim most clearly was the book of Abraham, where uh, we do have a, an original and when we, we ended up finding out that uh, for every one Egyptian word, he translated from 50 to 200 um, English words. Mm -hmm. To me, that would have been theoretically like digging up the bones of Jesus. I mean, mm. that would have just yeah. killed it for me if I had been LDS. Um, it's in Book of Abraham is a major reason that keeps me from being won over by what I see as the attractiveness of the LDS church. There's much more, but that, if nothing else, would um, would steer me away. Mm-hmm. And, and that just by itself, like you say, there is much more, the Kinderhook Plates and many other things mm -hmm. like that. Now, when Joseph Smith, um, of course, the Book of Mormon is filled with King James mm -hmm. uh, scriptures mm -hmm. and, and the King James language, mm -hmm. uh, but he included the, the errors. Now, there's not many doctrinal mm -hmm. errors in the King James Bible, but there mm -hmm. are gram grammatical mm -hmm. and different mm -hmm. uh, different. Uh, translation and manuscript uh, ones mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in the King James, which he copied over into the Book of Mormon. Right. Mm -hmm. So we we can we can look word for word from mm -hmm. King James to the Book of Mormon. If he does, if it's not translated correctly, why would he take from a book you couldn't trust and put it in his Book of Mormon? Right. Um, uh, plus, you end up with certain things where uh, where he he kept the King James teachings even when he himself. Um, preached something different, <laughs> uh, you know, um, so, uh, and I can't remember the examples I used, but like why, uh, uh, why didn't you correct it then? Yeah. Why did you That's keep, uh, carry true. it over from the King James and then uh, refute it in your later teaching? Yeah. Disavow it. And, mm -hmm. and again, to manuscript evidence again, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, the, the, we didn't talk about this mm -hmm. in our notes, but the mm -hmm. The uh, Joseph Smith's inspired version, mm -hmm. where he retranslated, he says the Bible, but he didn't. He just rewrote it. But again, there's no manuscript evidence for he, what he did. He will often add things that uh, he has no evidence for. None of the copies and uh, some of the examples I showed that from several different uh, manuscript traditions, none of them have these this material that he's adding in. Mm-hmm. So how would we cross-check? And that's your point. Well, the, the, he has no evidence to back his right. up. We have plenty of manuscript evidence to back up. Uh, uh, like uh, that pl place where it prophesies that 
that the, this man will have a son named Joseph. Yeah. Uh, uh, spliced into Genesis 50, there are four different, uh, you know, you go back to the earliest Hebrew manuscripts, you go to the Samaritan Pentateuch, you go to the, uh, to the Greek uh, tra uh, uh, early translation. None of this yeah, have none of us Joseph's edition. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, again, it's reliability, it's integrity. Mm -hmm. Chapter 12 is entitled, Did Joseph Die a Martyr's Death? Mm -hmm. Now, the official story for both the LDS and the polygamists is that Joseph died like a lamb going to the slaughter. Uh, he was a martyr to his religion in the name of Christ. I want to quote from page 75. Mm -hmm. Did Joseph die defending the truth of what he preached? Or did he end up in the prison where he was lynched for the crime of destroying an opponent's printing press to cover up his practice of plural marriage? So would you answer those questions? Yeah, it, um, basically, and thankfully, even the, um, uh, even the, the latest um, LDS uh, historical release uh, last fall that I, I call Saints, um, the uh, yeah the last fall the historical department released this 600 page book and they they admit that yes there was a, uh, there were guns involved and the like um, but uh, they still sanitized the story yeah, yeah. Um, the, basically they uh, uh, he uh, and there were uh, there was uh, they ordered tobacco that night. They had uh, they had wine, and mm -hmm. one of the apostles said it was not a sacrament. We did it for our spirit's sake. Mm -hmm. um, and so, sanitized version versus um, who would want to lie in the history of the church? Uh, the history of the church gives us a an unsanitized version. It's interesting that they did. Mm -hmm. Well, again, it's making it the way they want it to look like we talked about a Jesus in our image, uh, mm -hmm. the way we want him to look, and in this case, a Joseph, the way they wanted him to look. But more important would be this question, was this martyrdom? Well. Um, and there is where I would say, no, um, to die as a martyr, he would have to be die as a direct result of what his faith required him to believe or do. Joseph died either covering up his sin plural marriage, or covering up a principle of faith. Um, so Joseph does not say plural marriage is from God, I will die defending it. Nor does he die defending the Book of Mormon or his teachings. He does not die for any reason comparable to the early Christians who, who refused to worship Caesar. So he was thrown in jail. He mm -hmm. was in jail for destroying the printing press, not mm -hmm. for polygamy, but for Correct. destroying the printing press. Although there was an indictment against him for polygamy. For polygamy, who, which, who the, which the newspaper that was yeah. printed at top was talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, who knows where that would have gone. But uh, who knows how the story would have been different if he had stood up for what he believed. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. We'll never know. Yep. We'll never know. Okay. Mm. Obviously, we don't have time to, to be detailed in, in some of this, but it's very mm. interesting. A very mm. interesting read. I really mm. like your approach. Um, one of my favorites that I like to use quite a bit is that when Jesus said, by their fruits shall we, we shall know them. And, of course, he's talking about false prophets. That's mm -hmm. the context of what Jesus said. But your chapter 13 is entitled, mm. by their fruits shall we know them. Question mark. <laughs> so, do we look for fruits that are a result of belief in Jesus, or the fruits that are a result in belief in Joseph? Mm. 
Well, again, it's um, uh, what Jesus was saying applies not to followers, but to the leaders, to the prophet. And J both, Jesus, uh, both Joseph Smith and Muhammad would be a good example. You don't uh, test either of these based on, you know, there are tons of good people who are LDS and who are, uh, who are Muslims. Uh, the question is, what do we know about the founders? And we've already talked about Joseph mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the like. Um, but so I think that the fruits that we see in Mormonism come from beliefs and moral teachings that they got from us. They're the fruits of the doctrine, not the fruits of, uh, of not from anything uh, that Joseph uniquely taught. Um, yeah, so that uh, so I that's why, uh, but I really had to think about it because there's obviously there seems to be a lot of people who believe in the Jesus that I believe in in Mormonism, despite the fact that they are swallowing a whole lot of what I would call toxic Perithial, elements along yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. um, and can God use a situation like that? History shows that yes, God can, but that doesn't mean that we don't, uh, that there's no reason to correct or avoid false teaching wherever we find it. It's interesting, as you were talking, I remembered a um, um, lady called me and she was talking about, she wanted, had some questions about Mormonism and she wasn't a Mormon, but she wanted to understand her Mormon neighbors. Mm -hmm. And and so we talked a little bit about it and then she says, they're such good people. Mm -hmm. they, they And they are, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, 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 that that their behavior isn't well, their fruits aren't well. But I said, but they don't have a corner of the market on goodness. Mm -hmm. Christians right. are good people too. So we're non-believers. So we're atheists. Right. Good yeah. people. Yes. But but they don't have, just because Mormons are good people doesn't mean that they're the true religion. Um, we you don't find the truth just by examining to see which side is on their best behavior. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You asked the question in this chapter. Can God use falsehood to lead people to the truth? Mm -hmm. Very interesting question. What's your answer? Well, uh, history has shown us uh, that, like, for instance, uh, when the Goths uh, invented the, uh, invaded the Roman Empire, God evidently used um, the followers of Arius, who denied that Jesus was God, used, the, uh, the, uh, used these uh, followers of Arius to win the Gothic people to Christ, even though it was a Christ who was not divine. God said, I'll take care of that later on. <laughs> um, when uh, the gospel first came to China, it came through a group that had a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde view of Jesus. Weird view, but the Chinese people heard about Jesus for the first time. Mm -hmm. So God can use it, but it's not God's preferred method of operation. Well, that's true. And and Paul says, just my joy is that Jesus Christ be preached. Even if it's yeah. being preached by legalists <laughs> of all people. Because yeah. God can use it. By the yeah. It's by the name of Jesus. It's mm -hmm. his name mm -hmm. that's above every other name. Mm -hmm. Okay, chapter 14 is the final chapter. And this, mm -hmm. of course, this is the bottom line. This mm -hmm. is what's, what ties it all together. Um, and it's entitled, Who is Most Worthy of Our Trust? After mm -hmm. we weigh the two men, mm -hmm. who is the most worthy? I want to quote from page 84. You write, We do not expect perfection from Joseph. We merely expect enough consistency for us to put our trust in him. Mm -hmm. We also have a right to expect that there be no guile or deception found in his mouth. Mm -hmm. Trust and honesty mm -hmm. is an important issue. That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Do we find them in both Joseph and Jesus? 
I hope I've, I've demonstrated that we find them definitely in Jesus. And then I've tried to show, you know, Jesus can be trusted. Joseph, I don't think can be trusted. You really have to torture your mind to, um, to get around to believing that you can trust him. But only the Holy Ghost can open our eyes to see the truth about all this for what it really is. Hardcore unbelievers will trust neither Jesus nor Joseph. Temple LDS may be blinded to the truth about Joseph. All we can do is put out there the truth and pray for them to see the evidence for what it is. Yeah, see what it is. Mm -hmm. And then to, to um, and you can take, mm -hmm. you know, a, a few minutes on this if you mm -hmm. want to, a couple of minutes. What is the good news that you're talking about in this book? The mm -hmm. good news that can save us. Well, and that, uh, yeah, I, um, I get down to it in chapter 14 because first we have to figure out what we have as far as uh, who is Jesus and who is Joseph. Um, but ultimately, and this burdened me from the very beginning, the very first time I got to know the LDS 41 years ago, um, Joseph gives us a burden that no one can carry. Uh, and. Uh, there are other pastors that have done a great job showing uh, the, uh, and in fact, sometimes it's been said that uh, LDS won't be able to deal with the evidence question, you know, because we all explain it the way we want to. Mm -hmm. They can't deal with the evidence before you first deal with this unsolved problem of what do I do with my sin? What do I do with yes. my guilt? Joseph gives us a burden we, that nobody can carry. Jesus alone can save us and actually put us right with God, which the LDS system can never do because you can never do enough. So, mm. so the, the, now I know that, that the Mormonism, mm -hmm. and I know that from my own upbringing, mm. we have to have this doctrine added to Jesus' doctrine mm -hmm. in order to be saved. Mm -hmm. And this doctrine is more important than Jesus's. Mm. Yeah, um, well, I mean, bottom line, uh, you can know all these things are true, but if you can't do them, where does that leave if you? you can't do if, them. From yeah. what I understand, I've never been LDS, but I have so many uh, people have settled for, I'm never going to make it to the celestial kingdom. It's too hard. And yeah. that's a depressing situation to be in, I would imagine. Yeah, it certainly would be. Well, thank yeah. you, Tom. I appreciate your your sharing your book with us and yes. we look forward to it coming out in book mm. form and I, d I hope you have a wonderful rest of the time here in salt lake ah. appreciate it's the been time wonderful you've so taken far. with yeah. us it, it's a good book i really like it i like your approach mm. it's very understandable comprehensive understandable mm. too so thank you, thank you. Ah. well part of my closing comments is borrowed from his book where he wrote, and I quote, Lest anyone get the wrong idea, we are not saved by how well we obey God's laws. None of us is good enough. We are saved totally and completely by the undeserved mercy of God, which is grace, by placing our faith in what Christ has done to take away our sins and put us right with God. That was the discovery that thrilled my soul, my, my soul to life 45 years ago, and my excitement for the grace of God hasn't changed, end quote. Mm. And that also, I add, is the thrill of my soul 30 years ago. 
After escaping a religion that demands religious works to earn God's love and eternal life, hearing about grace was a thrill that no one can understand until you experience it yourself. Mm -hmm. We urge our viewers who are depending upon works to earn merit and favor with God to ask God, just ask God, show me what your grace is all about and he will. And we pray that you will also experience the thrill of your soul. Thank you for watching.